Welcome to the Deeper Podcast. This is a podcast run by a team of people from different churches, all aiming to make gospel resources that are both accessible and applicable for everyday life. We do hope you stick around and subscribe to this channel as we're going to cover a range of topics in the coming months. And so we hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to episode seven, the final episode of the Leviticus series of the Deeper Pod. I'm Lara Helston, and as always, I am here with Peter Brind. Hello, Peter. Hello. Oh, this seems disappointing to have to be the last one in the Leviticus series. I know. I've had a great time doing these. Yeah, they've been a lot of fun. But we have come to our final episode, um, and it's been a great journey. So to recap where we've been so far, if you've been following along um, with this podcast series, you'll know we've kind of been going on a journey up and down um, the mountain. Um, As in Leviticus, the people are camped at Mount Sinai, Moses goes up, um, is given the Ten Commandments and comes down. And we've been sort of following that journey um, of being accepted at the foot of the mountain, being made right with God, becoming pure, becoming clean as we start going up so we are fit for God's presence, meeting with God in that mountaintop encounter at the top of the mountain where we get to be in the glory of the presence of God, starting to come back down the mountain, changed by that experience and living with God. And in the last episode, we talked a little bit about how we how we live with God, living as he would. Um, And this week we're talking about living with God in celebration, in celebrating life um, is what you titled the video that corresponds to this episode. And I love that. I love that actually part, a huge part of living life with God is celebrating. Um, So that is what we're going to be talking about today. And I'm quite excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, celebration is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah. We celebrate all kinds of things in our lives. We celebrate our birthday once a year. We celebrate our wedding anniversary. We celebrate Mm. lots of things as well as Christian things. And um, yeah. It's wonderful that God's a great God of celebration. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord for that. Yeah. (laughs) So that's kind of the first thing we're going to talk about. We're talking about five um, different elements um, of living life with God today. Um, And the first one, which we see talked about predominantly in chapter 23 of Leviticus, is about praise celebrations that God appointed um, for the people of Israel and actually called them to celebrate. So can you tell tell us a little bit, Peter, about what those festivals were, why they're there? Um, sure. Yeah, tell us about them. Yeah, let me just remind you very quickly. Um, the first, were, first three celebrations were around about Easter time, which is where we are at this present moment. Actually, we're recording this on Good Friday for those of you who would be interested to know when we're actually doing it. And there are three feasts around there. The first one was Passover, where they celebrated the wonder of the fact that God brought them, redeemed them from Egypt, from slavery. 
yeah, there's obvious uh, reasons for us to celebrate that too, that God has redeemed us. The second one was a seven-day feast where they took all the yeast out of their house to remind them that God was a holy God. And they celebrated that. A lot of us think that holiness keeps us down, but it doesn't. It brings us into line with heaven for the buzzword of heaven we've remarked before is holy, 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 mm. holy. And that reminded them that they were celebrating a holy God. Uh, and the third of them was where they took the first fruits of their harvest, the very first ones that came, that promised that there would be a big harvest. And they celebrated that. So that was at Easter time. Mm -hmm. Then, seven weeks and a day after that was over, was the Feast of Weeks, or we better know it, know it better as the Feast of Pentecost. And Pentecost, again, was a celebration of the beginning of another harvest. That harvest was the wheat harvest. We remember, of course, that that was also a day when the beginning of a new harvest began that we call the church. That's at Pentecost. And the third group of, of, of celebrations was in, uh, in September. It started with the blowing of trumpets on the first day of the month. Then on the 10th day was what we talked about in chapter 16, the Day of Atonement. And it ended with all the people camping out for a whole week on their rooftop underneath leafy boughs to remind them that God brought them through the desert three times of celebration and it did two things number one they praised the lord number two they all came together in conference lots mm. and lots of people all coming together and celebrating together so that sounds great i'd be keen for that um yeah, so absolutely. why is god asking asking his people and putting it in a book of the law why is he asking them to celebrate? Yeah, it seems strange, doesn't it? Because a law, you must celebrate. You must yeah. praise me. It, yeah, but it, it wasn't like that. What God did was to give them opportunities that were regular, that they could come to. I mean, I mean we have similar sorts of things, don't we? I, yeah. I, I remember as a child, my dad used to tell me Jesus was coming again. And I used to pray many nights, Jesus, I'm glad you're coming again, but please don't come before the summer holidays. Because <laughs> I, I looked forward to that time when we all went together on holiday mm. with our family and another couple of families as well. They were great times. Um, so we have things to look forward to. And God gave them this as a structure so that they would have these yeah. times that they would really look forward to. Uh, and, and I know this, during lockdown, the hardest thing has been trying to celebrate together, just my lovely wife and me, just the two of us. Of course mm. you can, but it'd be much better if there was a bigger congregation. Yeah, yeah. And it just kind of shows God is asking his people to remember things that he's done for them, there's right. celebrations with the purpose, aren't they? Sort of, they're saying, oh, look, remember when God brought us out of Egypt? Yeah. That was great. Let's yeah. have a party about that. Yeah. Ah, oh, we have this, we have a harvest. Praise God, we have a harvest. Let's celebrate that. 
Yeah. And I think actually that's a real mindset that wouldn't it be great if we did that? If yeah. the things that we have seen God do, both corporately as a whole church and personally in our own lives, if when we remembered things that God had done, our reaction was joy and was praise. Yeah. I think as a, as a church, we do have times when we do that specifically. So like you sure. said, we're currently in the season of Easter. Yeah. Um, and Easter Sunday is my favorite Sunday of the whole year because mm-hmm. church is just a party and I love it. And it's like, Jesus is alive. Like, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, yeah. And like, that's great. Yeah. We have things like Christmas, which is similar, um, Pentecost, coming of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church. Yeah. And they're all sort of once a year big things that are almost, I guess, equivalent to these festivals that we see yeah. in Leviticus. Yeah. We also have in church um, something that we may not think of as a festival or a celebration, um, unless you're in a church that calls communion um celebrating the lord's supper but communion is is a similar thing so can you talk to us a little bit about why communion is important um and actually how it is a celebration yeah yeah yeah. for for, for me it's it's one of the big things within church there are two things jesus asked us to do get baptized and remember me in celebration uh, he says, as often as you do this, you show, you demonstrate, you announce to to everybody around, including the world outside, you, you announce his death. Yeah. And, and that's one of the great things about a communion service. It helps us to remember the fact that Jesus gave his life for us. But I wanted to say that for me, it's not just communion that's held at a service, but the very first communion. And it seems to me the ones in Corinthians as well were associated with meals, with eating. Mm. It's almost as if the table was laid, the food's all out there. There's bread on the table because bread was a staple diet. There was wine on the table. And Jesus says, whenever you do this, as you sit down to eat your meal, is he not saying, take some bread, take some wine and remember me? Because one of the big things that we people do because of the kind of people we are is we forget to thank him for how amazing he is and for what he's done for us. Mm. Here is for us a physical reminder, bread and wine that reminds us, Lord, you've done amazing things for us. So, yeah, I think it helps. It certainly helps me to remember him. Yeah, that's good. I think a lot of the time we can think of communion as a bit of a weird church tradition and not Mm. really understand why we do it, Um, which is why I think we wanted to talk about it, because it's not just a weird church thing. Actually, it's supposed to be a celebration, a meal of celebration, remembering, number one, Jesus' death. Yeah. And number two, actually bringing people together and number three, also sending us forward out of that place. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just a very quick story. Um, communion about <laughs> it doesn't have to be a formal church thing. Um, there was one time I was with some very good family friends and we went to Nando's and um, the the dad of this family, um, we had garlic bread 
at Nando's and he prayed um, and then he took this garlic bread and he broke it in half and he gave half of it to whoever was sat next to him and said the body of Christ broken for you and then they passed it on and we went round the table all breaking bread mm-hmm. and blessing each other and I was like yeah. this is fantastic why don't we do yeah. this more often because that is celebrating the meal of communion just day to day and I just thought yeah. that was great yeah, I and think so. Anything that reminds us of what he's done for us has got to be great, isn't it? Yeah. Because living with him, we celebrate his life in us. Yes. And that's making praise a lifestyle, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. We can we can that's do that quite term. easily when things good things happen. Yeah. We can like I don't know, when if somebody like when there's a new child, we praise God for that when yeah somebody is healed we praise god for that if you do well on an exam we can praise god for that um but actually making praise a lifestyle just in the day-to-day yeah in small beautiful things you see praise god for that yeah um choosing to see god's god's work and god's goodness in everything in life and actually regularly remembering god's character and praising him for that make praise a lifestyle yeah And that kind of goes on to our second point, which is about revering God. So praising God is kind of for the things he's done. And revering God is more about who God is. And I don't think it's a word that we use very often, particularly not in my generation. We've kind of lost the idea of reverence. So what does it mean to to honour someone or hold someone in reverence? Yeah, I mean, I I was brought up, to to sort of believe that reverence meant that you were quiet in church and you sat still. Okay. Especially as a child. Yeah. You do it because you reverence God. That's not what he's talking about at all. It's not about silence, though it could be. It's not about solitude. It's not about doing things that people perceive would be correct to do. It's about standing back, opening your mouth wide and going, wow. God is really like that? And that was the particular problem in the passage in chapter 24. There was there a man who blasphemed the name of God. And God's name is his totality, his completeness, his wholeness, his total character. And when I stand back and I think of God, I tried once to see if I could fill up a sheet of paper with everything that God was. And once you start, you can fill it easily. God is so great. He's so wonderful. You know, he's light and he's love and he's, he's, he's kind and he's compassionate and he's generous. And there's, there's so many things you can say about God. And all of those things bring in me a sense of awe and a sense of wonder, a sense of wow. Isn't God great? Because sometimes I think we get hung up on everything he's done for me. And sometimes it's about me instead of about him. And I think we need both, of course. I'm I'm amazed at what he's done. But I'm also also staggered at how much he is worth, his value, how great Mm. he is in his character. That's such a good perspective shift and a really important one, isn't it? Actually just mm. looking and gazing at God and being yeah. 
captivated by him. Yeah. When we were talking about it earlier, it really um, just reminded me of, I don't know if any of you listening have ever been to Iceland or seen a large waterfall anywhere in the world. Um, and standing at the base or on a bridge looking at this enormous, crashing, cascading mass of water... Yeah, just leaves you with a sense of awe. Like you're looking at it and you're just like, wow, this is beautiful. This is stunning. It carries a sense of almost majesty. And you're aware that like, this is powerful and this is more powerful than me. And you're not scared of it. You're not like, I need to get away. And you're not like, I need to tiptoe around this because... Yeah. It could jump at me any time. Yeah. But you are left a little bit breathless yeah. because of its power and its majesty. Yeah. And I think that's, for me anyway, that's my best sort of comparison I yeah. have for how we should feel when we look at God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the word I use constantly is this word awe or the word awesome. Or yeah. the other word in its correct meaning, awful, full of awe. That's where it originally came from. Yeah. God is, is awful in that sense. His majesty is bright and glorious and he's, and he's full of awe. I mean, yeah. for me, Lara, it would be, um, we used to work in the Bahamas and, and the very first time I went out on a coral reef that surrounds the islands where we used to go, very first time I went, wow, the trouble was I was underwater. <laughs> and it was just awesome. Yeah. And I choked a bit because I'd filled up with water <laughs> instead of, yeah, because of the awesome wonder of who God is. Mm. Yeah. And that is reverence of God. We acknowledge absolutely. that we have a God who is worth our wow. Yes. And yeah, absolutely. Carry that. Yeah. The next point. Um, is a little bit different. Um, it's still one of the celebrations that um, is listed um, in chapter 25 of Leviticus, which is about the Sabbath year and the year of Jubilee. Mm. So we're going to talk about rest. Mm. We talk about Sabbath in the church, Sabbathing sometimes. Um, so what is that about and why is resting a celebration? Mm. Um. The, the the two things in chapter 25 are, are all about rest. The Sabbath and the Jubilee year was a sort of super Sabbath, a Sabbath of Sabbaths that ran every 50 years. And the idea of a Sabbath, when you tend to read it, first of all, both in Leviticus and in Exodus, you kind of get the idea that it's, it's you've got to stop working. Now, now, that's important, but you don't just stop working for its own sake. You don't do any work in order that. You might spend your time resting in and with God. Mm. So for you, Lara, I'm going to put it back to you. What would that mean to you personally? How how would you rest in God? That's a great question. Um, I think for me, knowing how, well, so two things. For me, I know that I can get very fixated on achievements um, and that can very much take over how I work and how I live. Um, and actually, 
I can burn myself out quite easily in that. And actually remembering that no rest is something that God has commanded me to do yeah. is really kind because I don't give myself grace for rest, yeah. but God does. Yeah. And actually when I, in my first year of uni, um, I started off, I didn't like have a pattern of Sabbath at all. Um, but then I started about halfway through the year taking Sundays off work. Yeah. Sunday because I basically spent all day at church anyway, but I felt low-key guilty about that because I couldn't do any uni stuff. And I just decided, actually, why am I dedicating more time to study than I am to enjoying God? Like, why should I feel guilty about being in fellowship with God's people and in therefore in like in the presence of God so I decided I wasn't going to do uni work on Sundays but I was going to intentionally spend that time with people and it has revolutionized mm-hmm. my university experience um because yeah. I can work so much better when I do work yeah. because I've spent that time not spent that time for myself it's not a selfish rest like of just doing nothing it's actually a rejuvenating rest like I'm with people I'm with God I'm investing in something else that fulfills me sure and God is so kind that he tells us to do that because he knows he's embedded it in like the rhythm of our lives is rest and I think that's so kind yeah yeah I think you're right we're designed to work definitely Mm. but we're also designed to rest yeah put it right from the very beginning right from the beginning of creation he said, you need a day off. You need that day off. But don't just spend that day off chilling. But if you're going to do the chilling, chill with me. Yeah. And that, for me, looks in all kinds of ways. For, for me, that Sabbath rest is nearly always with family and with friends. Yeah. And back in the good old days, before this uh, virus came into our lives, it meant having people around our home or we going around to people's homes and having meals together and going out for walks together and and lots of things like that, consciously in the presence of God and enjoying God, Mm. Um, but resting in him. Mm. You said something really interesting when we spoke earlier about actually resting in our serving. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jesus says in, in Mark 6 to his disciples, they've just been all out busy doing on a missions trip and they come back again. And he says, I can see you're tired, effectively. Come and have a rest. Uh, come and rest with me. And, and the moment he says that, they go off to a solitary place where they are going to have a rest. That's great. You need rest in that solitary place, just you and God. He'd hardly got to that place when a whole crowd of people come. And there's 5,000 men there. So quite a lot of people all together. And mm. Jesus sends the disciples to get food. They didn't know where they were going to get it from. And then to feed everybody, to distribute it to them. In, in Matthew 11, Jesus says this in verse 29. Take my yoke on you and learn from me and you will find rest. So we don't just get rest by sitting with Jesus, he and us. We also get rest by serving with him. See, the the important thing is serving with him. And then when they finished serving with him, they got into a boat, got in a mess in the middle of the lake. Jesus is up on the mountain praying. So Jesus walks across the water to them and gets in the boat. And it says then that then they had calm. Everything was then restful. 
because mm-hmm. wherever Jesus is, is rest. So it's not always that we rest by not doing anything. The point is we rest when we are with him. And Sabbath is a great mountaintop experience every week of being consciously with God. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess practically taking from that is it doesn't have to be on Sundays you don't do work, but actually finding how you rest with God and actually making that a priority and making that more of a priority than needing to be productive and getting everything done that you need to yes. um, yeah. because we need that time with God absolutely and it's important yeah just as as much as I know that I when I go to bed at night I need to sleep between seven and eight hours mm. otherwise the next day I'm not very good so in my spiritual life I need that sort of time with God yeah. every week and then to have some super sabbaths every now and again excuse me to do something where i have longer time of rest with god yeah maybe it's on holiday maybe it's in a conference or whatever yeah that's good actually yeah so we have two more kind of categories the next one is about obedience and following god which Mm. to somebody my age i don't know about anybody else that doesn't sound anything like a celebration following like obeying commands doesn't sound particularly celebratory but it's very very important part of living life with god yeah talk to me about why and how the reason we follow the lord primarily is because he asked us to but he asked us to because he knows it's the best way to do life I think we forget that quite frequently. Six times Jesus says, when he's speaking to his disciples a week before he dies, words to the effect, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Now, his commands, are his principles are fairly straightforward and simple. I mean, in a nutshell, they are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Mm. And that will producing you loving your neighbour like yourself. That's basically his command. But we need to obey that. We need to follow him. We need to do what he's asking us to do. And then he promises that he will bless us, not materially. He's not going to pour money into our bank unless he deliberately designs to do that in order that we might pour it out to others. Yeah. But he is going to bless us spiritually. We are going to feel rich in our souls We'll know his peace running through us. That doesn't mean we'll never have troubles. We'll have Mm. piles of troubles. But his peace will overshadow those troubles. And we will know the delight of walking with him and he walking with us. That's the, 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 the guts, really, of chapter 26. Yeah, I think when we look at um, like the early church, the church in Acts, one of the things that they're really characterized by is radical obedience. Yeah. Actually, they they do what Jesus has told them to do. Yeah. You will be my witnesses and they go and they are witnesses. Yeah. When when Jesus tells them to go somewhere, they go. Yeah. They are not afraid and actually they're radically obedient to what the Holy Spirit is telling them. Yeah. And we see so much growth 
of the church in Acts. I'm reading Acts at the moment and it just blows mm-hmm. my mind every time. And imagine if the church today was characterized by radical obedience in that same way. Yeah. If when God asked us to step out, we stepped out. If when God asked us to go somewhere, we went. To speak to someone, we spoke to them. Yeah. To be generous, we were generous. And it's both obedience of biblical principles and commands that we see spoken by Jesus in the Bible. Yeah. But it's also when God speaks to us directly and we know what he's saying or we think we know what he's saying. Yeah. But actually, we're too scared of what other people will think or we're not quite sure we've heard God right or it doesn't seem to make sense. um, And we don't trust God fully. Yeah. But when God speaks to you directly, like he speaks for a reason. So step out in obedience and like we will see God do so much when we live in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we are his disciples and disciples follow their rabbi that's deliberately what we do we follow where he takes us we go yeah what he tells us to do we do and if we could just grasp that two things would happen number one we would listen more carefully in order that we might obey more fully yeah no point in hearing what god says but not doing it we need to be doers of the word as well as listeners to that word yeah Uh, that's that's what would happen to us if only we would listen to what he said we would then obey him and we would be Mm. massively blessed in our own souls yeah challenge of the week every morning ask god what do you want me to do today yeah get one thing specifically what should we do today god and actually I've done this in the past. In the beginning of the week, I've been like, I don't know what he's saying. And then actually, the more you step out, the better you hear as well. Um, yeah. So yeah. challenge for the week from Lara. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that kind of moves us on quite nicely to our final point, which is about promising yourself or dedicating yourself to God. Your entire life being dedicated to God. Talk yeah. to me about that, Peter. Yeah, I mean, it's it's how it ends. Some people... Some people think that perhaps this was an extra bit added on to the book of Leviticus. But to me, it's the heartbeat of what he's saying. If you love me and you want to live with me, then you will give yourself completely to me. And that's what he was really asking the people to do. So he he talked about them dedicating their lives for them. They're to pay to dedicate their lives to the Lord. Imagine that now. Imagine if we actually had to physically give a thousand pounds to some good Christian cause to dedicate our lives to the Lord. That's basically what they did because they were serious. And sometimes we are not serious. We talk about dedicating our lives to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely really... been guilty of that. Yeah. But if we if it cost us something, we would do it. If we paid, we would do what we had paid for mm. and then he says I, I want you to dedicate your wages give to me what you have earned uh, we, we were talking at the beginning about um brother andrew who, who started the open doors organization and i remember when i was in uni yeah that was a centuries or so ago <laughs> but but he came to talk to, to the cu there 
and um and, and I remember him saying that he had sold his house in order to finance his trips into at that time into communist Eastern Europe. That's where he first started going. Wow. I thought, wow, you sold your house. Yeah, because God said to him, I want you to give it up. I'll I'll I'll, I'll get you sorted elsewhere. Don't you worry about where you're going to live. I'll deal with that. I, I knew a young couple really well who were engaged to be married. And um, a group going across to Eastern Europe needed a car. So they gave all the money they had saved for their wedding to buy a car for these people to go. Wow. Sacrifice. I, I, I think yeah. sometimes, I think so, you say, wow, they must have been wonderful people. No, we've got a wonderful God. That's what it's like. We have a wonderful God. And if he's so brilliant, let me tell you, they have in return, I don't know how it happened to either of them, but they would have had in return far more than ever they would have got without giving mm. their wages to the Lord. But he also asked them to give their homes. Now, Lara was telling me that every Sunday she goes to somebody's home. Talk to us about that, Lara. Yeah, so, I mean, particularly pre-COVID, COVID kind of changed things yeah, a little yeah, bit. Um, but yeah, at church, um, after a morning service, there'd usually be either a family or a couple who were hosting um, students or singles, anyone who wanted to come really, um, for Sunday lunch. And you'd basically just stay at their house all afternoon. And if there was nobody who was kind of officially doing it, we'd all just pick somebody's house and all yeah. just go. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was such a highlight. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a home like that where my mum and dad very, very regularly, well, almost every day, really, had somebody else in for a meal. And sometimes it was loads of people. I remember there being 40 young people sitting in our home once. <laughs> wow. very, very few of them were Christians. And my dad had picked them up on the park and invited them round. Your home can be a wonderful, amazing tool for evangelism. Mm. It can be a great place for Christians to be strengthened. Yeah. And, and I want to say, if you are younger and you are listening out there, the moment you get your own home and COVID allows it, pile people in there because God will bless you. Dedicate your life, dedicate your wages, dedicate your home to mm. the Lord. There's nothing like it. Yeah. Yeah, and dedicating your your work is kind of, is also in day-to-day -day things. And isn't yeah. it sometimes as well as wages being yeah. part of that. Also, dedicating the way that you work sure. to to yeah. being honouring to God. We've kind of talked about that previously in other episodes. Um, and sometimes, actually, that involves sacrifice within a workplace. And then, again, with home, being generous and having an open home is huge. Yeah. And also just the way that you do family, keeping God in the conversation within your family. Yeah. Like, talk about God with your children. With your parents, with your siblings, like pray with your family in the same way that you would with people in your church. Yeah. Because church is supposed to be modelled off of family. Yeah. So absolutely. If we're not doing church with our families, why not? Um so actually the way that we do family and honouring our spouses, honouring our parents, loving our children and our siblings and all that kind of thing is 
is equally part of dedicating your life yeah. to God. Yeah. The key thing sort of being that every element of our lives belongs to God. Yes. And he's graciously put us in a position where it belongs to him, but we can choose to give it to him. Yeah. And he should be our number one because he is worthy of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so are we willing to dedicate everything to God? Yeah. regardless of what that might cost, regardless of how terrifying that might be, because we know that ultimately it's the most glorious way to live. Yeah. I mean, I called this section Celebrating Life because, for me, one of the great celebrations of life is giving yourself to the Lord. There is yeah. nothing more wonderful to do than to do that. I'm looking back now over 60 years of Christian service and it's it's staggering. It's staggering what God has done during those times. Mm. Amazing. People still keep coming and say, do you remember when? And I've usually forgotten, but they haven't. And God has taken some simple little things and made them really important in people's lives. That's why I've called it celebration. Give your life to the Lord totally, lock, stock yeah. and barrel, every part of it. And let me tell you, you will celebrate the wonder of what God does throughout your entire life. Mm. Well, at least that's what I felt. I think we'll leave it on that note. Like, what a note to leave on. Mm. Wow, we get to live with the Lord and what a celebration that is. Yeah. So thank you, Peter, for having this conversation. Thank you to everybody who's listened, whether you've listened to the whole Leviticus series or just this episode. We've loved going through it. I mean, I have. Um, and seeing actually how much this book that so many people struggle with is so much about the glory of living in God's presence. Yeah. And wow, what a privilege that is. So let's go out. Let's adopt a lifestyle of praise and celebrate living life with our glorious, glorious God. That's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. And thank you for listening. In.